Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we continue with this uh, second to last chapter in the book Flesh uh, by Hugh Halter, where Hugh brings us uh, in this natural progression of how to engage the world around us. Last week we talked about having a conversation, and that we are always open to a conversation, not running from the chance to have a conversation, opening up our lives, our time, our schedule, in such a way that the people around us can actually talk with us or engage with us. We are encouraged to open ourselves up to those conversations and yet wait for the individual to ask the question. Wait for the individual to approach and say, okay, what, what's this Jesus thing? What's the deal with you going to church on Sunday? What's the deal with you trying to, you know, be good? That you let the people around you engage you in that conversation. Where Hugh went with this second to last chapter in confrontation is he says, what's going to happen is when you open yourselves up to those conversations, the people around you, they're going to hear the word of God in the way that you speak. They're going to see the word of God in action by what you do or don't do. It's not your job to go, well... Now that we've been friends for years, you've eaten my food and uh, uh, completely drunk uh, all my drinks that I have for you, now that we've established a close relationship, now I'm going to let you have it. It's not your job to confront. And you're going, oh, wait a minute, I thought we were doing the soft, nice approach so that I could really feel self-righteous and jump in there. If that's the case, then you've missed the whole premise of the book. The whole premise of the book being that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came in flesh. He came in flesh because God wanted us as human beings to be restored as human beings. Yes, Jesus took our sin upon himself. Yes, he died the death that you and I deserve. Yes, he has gone home in heaven preparing a room for us even now. That is great news. But it's not the only news. And the rest of the news is, is that God has in store for us to be confronted in our own sin. Putting that sin aside, growing in truth, growing in grace, growing in righteousness, growing in the things of God, not so that we can look more godly, but that our humanness can be better restored. Not because humanness is as good as being God, it's not. But God created us to be human, not God. And when sin entered with Adam and Eve, everything was tainted. And because of that sin, we aren't the human beings that God intended for us to be. Go ahead, ask your spouse right next to you, am I the human being that God intended me to be? Go ahead and just do that right now. Now, now spouse... I'm just going to do a little confession here this morning. How many of you were tempted to import your own answer? <laughs> well, I have observed you are not very godly. You know, there's a risk in reading this section of chapter 8 in John, right, where Jesus calls out the Jews and says, well, <laughs> in fact, the reason I know you're after me, the reason I know you don't listen to me, is because you're really following your father, the devil. Now, I don't want you to be tempted this week during any of your family interactions 
<laughs> well, I think I heard that phrase in Scripture this week. I can go, you're just following your father, the devil. <laughs> See, that'll be the temptation. Because it is easy, it is so easy to look into the lives of other people, right? And they are so evil. Look, do, do they even hear what's coming out of their mouths? They think they're Christian. They don't act very godly at all. And it is so easy to see in others the deficiency that sin causes. But this chapter on confrontation has two areas. The first being the confrontation that Jesus has with us. Many of you may have been believers your entire life. Many of you have been in church every Sunday. Haven't missed a Christmas Eve yet. Many of you know that you don't measure up. There are others of us, though, who fall into a self-righteous category, who begin to believe what the world thinks about us. We begin to do things in such a way to where we don't listen to the Word of God that much anymore. Well, I, I kind of know it. I've been in Sunday school. I saw the graphs. I know the Bible stories. I say the prayers that the family functions. And I, I kind of know enough about God, we say. And here's the problem. God's not done with us yet. God is absolutely not done transforming you yet. He's not. Now, I don't know if that's good news for you or bad news. I don't know if that brings out a, whew, that's good because I am, I am really drowning here going, I think everyone else is a lot holier than me and why isn't God working on me? There are others of you going, what? He's not done yet. Are you kidding me? Do you know the fires I've been through? Do you know the challenges? So wherever you find yourself, somewhere in that spectrum, once you understand that what Jesus came to do was to confront us. When his word comes in and says, obey your father and your mother, that it may go well with you, right? He, he says, here are the Ten Commandments, right? And we need, to, uh, we need to honor those Ten Commandments. Obey your father and your mother. Children who are present. How many of you are doing just a bang-up job of, just go ahead, raise your hand, if you are obeying your father and your mother. Right, a couple of teenagers are going, yeah, we got this. <laughs> just mark that one up right there. I've got it. See, there's little kids going, it's not going so good for me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm One of them's walking out right now. That's, that's my boy. That's mine. That's right. I'll own that one right now. I know. I'm embarrassing him. You know, that's how it goes sometimes, though, right? You, you, you say, hey, um, I'm teaching you something here, right, as parents. I'm teaching you, kids. I've got something for you to learn. I've got something for you. And that's what Jesus does. When he came on the earth, when he was born as a babe, again, it wasn't just to look meek and mild. It was to come with a purpose in order to teach. And he is known as an incredible teacher. He did come to heal. He's an incredible healer. He came mostly, yes, to take my sin upon himself, die the death I deserve, and be raised three days later. Yes, that is his primary purpose. In there, though, what he's done 
is shown me how he wants me to live. You see, this is where our text starts in this morning. What Jesus is talking to the Jews, these are people that are, that are fairly friendly to him. This is his nationality. These are people that have been waiting for a Messiah. They're used to hearing from prophets. They're used to theological education. And so Jesus is teaching to the Jews, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. So he just puts it really clear. If you hold to what I'm teaching you, you're great. But if you don't, if you're running off on your own two cents, if you think that you can, well, I'll just interpret Scripture whatever it best fits me. Or I'll just read parts of it and not other parts of it. Or I'll let, I'll let theologians figure out, well, this part maybe, uh, it's not literal, it's only figurative, and so figurative language doesn't really apply to me, I'm such a literalist. And what we run into is we begin to pick and choose with God. What things we'll listen to, what things we won't. We begin to pick and choose as to what direction we'll go and what direction we won't. But Jesus makes it very clear. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Doesn't the truth do that? Right? When you know what the boundaries clearly are, you know how far to go. Right? When there aren't any boundaries, you go, well, I guess I can make this up all on my own. The best way I can explain this to you are two of my favorite national parks the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, and Zion National Park. Now, I don't know, uh, Zion may be just, uh, they're just a little more free in their boundaries, okay? But you walk out to a place called Angel's Landing, and you start to hike up there, and there's like one little chain, and you got a thousand feet on every side. And it's like, go on up at your own risk. And it's like, wow! I've seen how some of you people hike up at Zion. Flip-flops! Penny loafers. I'm not kidding. Go to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. I mean, it's walled up. You got another section of fencing five feet in front of that. You got signs in front of that. It's a, do not process any further. Do not go any closer. Well, but I want to peek over the edge. I want to see down at the bottom. No, you don't. <laughs> go down the road, pay the deal, go through the, you know, the glass walkway. You can see down. It's safer. You see, when you know what the boundaries are, it's actually very freeing. This is why the law still gets preached to Christians. Well, can't we just have grace? I mean, for crying out loud, we know that Jesus died for us. I know I'm a sinner. We just do the confession thing. Aren't we all good now? Can't we just hear the good stuff? No. What the law does, it's not bad. It actually sets boundaries and gives us freedom. It says this far you can go over here and this far over here and, and don't venture. But don't you love the Jews' response, right? We've never been slaves of anyone. Really? I, was it a vacation in Egypt? An entire generation of people going, well, we'll just work for free and, and receive you know, leeks to eat. and what, you, know, you can beat us whenever you want. It's fun. No, you were a slave. Jesus knows that it, they missed the point, right? She so says, no, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I don't know if you think about it that way. Think of the sin that you most easily 
commit? Is it lying? Speeding? Cheating? Gossip? What is the sin you most easily commit? And, and don't you find that every Sunday when we come in for a time of confession, how many of you go, yeah, you know what? I got that thing at the top of my list every single week. It's because you're a slave. You're a slave to sin. Ask an alcoholic if they're a slave to alcohol. One that's truly in recovery and been sober for years will tell you, absolutely, I'm a slave. I say, what's the difference between you who are in AA, an alcoholic, recognized and being a slave, and the person that drinks like a fish? Functional drunk. So the difference is, is I admit I'm a slave. They just live like one. See, this is the harsh reality. This is the confrontation. Jesus and his word, when he teaches, when he proclaims, he has a confrontation. And he says, I want you to acknowledge I'm a sinner, I'm a slave to sin. This is a good thing. I know you're Abraham's descendants. You're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence and you do what you have heard from your father. And here's the great big setup. I know I'm listening to my dad because I've told you what my dad said. You obviously are doing what your dad said. No, we have the same father. No, you don't. Yours is Satan. <laughs> Confrontational. Did you see Jesus getting right in here going, um, no, we're not going to play around with this. I'm not even going to say, well, be gentle, they're working on their life. No, you're a slave to sin, and Satan is your father. One of the biggest things in truth-telling is calling a spade a spade. We've got to start there. We call a thing what a thing is. And this is what Jesus does. Forty-four, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. Oh no, I'm for Jesus. I don't want to do what Satan does, but he, he tricks me, beguiles me. He, he leads me off. It's his fault. Satan made me do it. No, no. Jesus goes, no, no, you wanted to do what your father tempted you with. We don't like this. This is confrontational. We don't like Jesus going, what, you mean I get all the blame for my sin? Hello, can't we get a little, you know, uh, Satan recognition here? I tell you the truth, but you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin, Jesus says? 46, uh, if I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? And he answers. You see, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is because you don't belong. 
Well, this is a great fourth Sunday in Advent. I'm really uplifted and encouraged. See, we have to set the stage right. Jesus comes to confront. And when you have Jesus living in you, I'm telling you that your new life, your transformed life, it will be confrontational to the people around. You don't even have to try to be confrontational. It's just your life will be different because Jesus makes you different. You're not going to laugh at the same jokes. You might start to be offended by certain things that Uncle Joe says this year. You're probably not going to see the same movies that you used to some years ago. You're not going to participate in the same parties you used to host or even go to. Yes, your life is about being transformed. And that's, I think, what scares us is that God's going to change everything. Yes, He is. But it's for the good. He wants to confront, and in that confrontation, this is what he does. Yes, he nails you down with the law, and then he picks you up, and he says, I love you, I forgive you, now come on. Let's walk, let's do this thing together. Let's, let me, I'm going to surround you with two or three other buds to do this with you. I've got some girlfriends for you to pray with on a regular basis. Go, go meet with them regularly. And we've got a church where people of all stripes, all backgrounds can come together they actually put it into action. Now, you by your own strength, you can't do this. You by your own nature, you're a slave to sin. This is why you continue to sin. But with Jesus living in you, he gets all the credit for the good stuff that's done and all the good stuff that's transformed and all the good stuff that happens. Jesus gets the credit. That's what's awesome. Yes, we still get the credit for sin. Now, What's the confrontation if our, if our friends, we've opened up, we've had a conversation, they've begun to invite us into their lives, and they've said, tell me about this Jesus. Do we have to do this? Well, you know, you, you need to clean up a little bit. Since you've invited me to talk into your life, that's what our tendency is, to now jump in. Well, you invited, you said I could point out all your faults. No, they didn't. They said, tell me about Jesus. <laughs> they already know their faults. That's the Holy Spirit's job. <laughs> the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Jesus goes away, says, I'm going to send the mighty counselor. The counselor counsels. How many of you have left a counselor because you didn't like what the counselor said? Absolutely. Okay, don't raise your hands, I know. But that's the point. A counselor speaks the truth, usually. <laughs> they speak that into you, and you either take that and you begin to work on it, or you go, well, I don't want to hear that truth. And we move on. So our job in the lives of the people in our community around us is to be available for that conversation and let God confront their sin. We don't have to change our view on abortion and homosexuality and marriage and divorce. We don't change those things to bring people in or make them feel inclusive or any of those things. No, God's word is consistent. It's very clear. We know exactly how God feels about these topics. But people that are struggling going through divorce, homosexuality, people that are, have past sin in their life, that they're struggling. You know what? We walk alongside them and love them. 
It's not our job to confront. That's God's job. And believe me, he does a very fine job of it himself. And when he does, when he confronts you, and when he confronts your friends, the picture I hope you have is a Jesus that is holding your hands or holding your shoulders and saying, we are in this together. Confrontation's not a bad thing when it comes from the Almighty God who says, I'm going to confront your sin so that you can be free from it. Friends in Christ, I can't imagine a better gift at this season than to be forgiven and live in Christ. Amen.